Today on Abounding Grace, we turn to a passage in the Old Testament that speaks volumes as to how to move forward in the strength of the Holy Spirit. It is foundational, fundamental of how I serve God. It is the outworking of how I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. It can't be by my power. It can't be by my might. It can't be by anything that I have to offer to God. It has to be by His Spirit or it won't last or it could very well not be from Him. If we would just learn this and live it in our lives, our lives would be so much easier and so much more filled with joy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Have you ever tried to do something that was way out of your league? Maybe it was trying to bench press 500 pounds or run a marathon. You just couldn't do it. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we learn a valuable principle for ministry. We can't do it in our own strength. In order to move forward as God would have us, we have to depend upon His strength and resources. Pastor Ed Taylor opens Zechariah chapter 4 in part 3 of his series, Faith Forward. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah is at the end of the Old Testament. So if you get to Malachi, the last book, Zechariah is right before Malachi and just after Haggai. So if you're in that area at the end of the Old Testament, I want you to open to Zechariah chapter 4 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Moving Forward in the Strength of His Spirit. Moving forward, it is God's will for you and I to move forward in the strength of the Holy Spirit. You aren't going to be able to make it on your own. And I was just thinking as we were looking at a new year and all that we bring into this new year, I was just thinking, listen, you got to hear me out on this. Unless you make substantive changes, things will not change in your life. Like it's just not going to happen. Like if you don't make the changes the Spirit of God has been leading you to, you, you don't make the changes of repentance, of humility, of brokenness. If you don't turn a corner in your life, then you're going to continue to experience the same thing you have every other year. And so, you know, you think about it. You didn't make the change in 2020. You didn't make it in 2021. You didn't make it in 2022. And now here we have a new, a new year upon us. And you're, you're still in this kind of phase where, you know, I don't know if I really want to do it or not. I don't know. I think religion's good enough for me. Or coming in and out of church is good enough for me. Or, or, you know, I'm doing just fine. Listen, if you don't make substantive changes, then things are going to be worse than they have in previous years. It's not going to get better if you continue in the way that you're going, whether it be compromise, whether it be apathy, whether it be just kind of going through the motions, whatever it is the Lord has been speaking to you about, you could even been been grieving him. You, You could even have been resisting him and the Lord's opening your eyes again. You've got to make substantive changes. It's not going to happen by itself, except that the changes are only in cooperation with God. It's going to be his power and his strength, which brings us to verse 6 in Zechariah chapter 4. It's a very familiar passage. 
It's a familiar passage because it's one of those fundamental verses that we have in the philosophy of ministry of Calvary Chapel, a family of churches by which this church was birthed. And so it's one of those verses. It's on our website. It's on our app. It's in our welcome packet. Like it's one of those verses that's so common that we repeat it so much that we may forget the significance of the truth that it conveys to us. And I just show you in verse 6, there's a word from the Lord to a man by the name of Zerubbabel. And this was the word. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And here in my Bible, it's highlighted green. You know, I'll highlight some verses in orange. They remind me of the deity of the Holy Spirit. Some verses in my Bible are highlighted pink. The deity of, uh, uh, orange is the deity of Christ. Pink is the deity of the Holy Spirit. And when I highlight something green, it is a reminder. It's one of those foundational verses for me of how to go forward in ministry. I can't forget this one. It is foundational, fundamental of how I serve God. It is the outworking of how I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. It can't be by my power. It can't be by my might. It can't be by anything that I have to offer to God. It has to be by his spirit or it won't last or it could very well not be from him. If we would just learn this and live it in our lives, our lives would be so much easier and so much more filled with joy. I didn't say lives would be easy. I just mean easier. If we just learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge God in all our ways and what? He'll direct our paths. He'll empower us. He will help us. He will open doors before us that no man can close. And he'll close doors before us that no man can open. I mean, you don't have to work a game with God. You, you, don't, have to, you, you don't have to manipulate things. You don't have to be a wheeler dealer with God. As a matter of fact, God doesn't bless that behavior. He blesses the surrendered life, recognizing that all God has for you is yours by faith. And it's not just for when things are bad. It's also for when things are good. It's not just for when things seem to be going well, but especially when we feel trapped, when we feel discouraged, when we feel defeated, or even more when we're disillusioned with everything that we see in the world or in the church or uh, on the news, just disillusioned. You know, it's good to learn this when our life is upside down. But it's also good, like some of you, you're just starting out when your life is being turned right side up and God's doing a good work in your life. Well, we drop in now in Zechariah chapter 4 in a time in the nation of Israel and the people of Jerusalem of great difficulty. At this time, there's been 16 years of idleness and desolation since Zerubbabel has come. You remember, you Bible students, you remember that there was a time when the temple and the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. And God sent Nehemiah back and he helped rebuild the walls, sent Haggai and Zechariah as messengers and a man by the name of Zerubbabel to help rebuild the temple. And they started the work, but very quickly let it go. Not only that, but greed and apathy invaded their hearts. So the very materials that they had to rebuild the temple, the people started rebuilding their own houses and doing a little remodeling job, HGTV, you know, and taking care of things and making sure, well, you know, the temple can wait. We're going to take care of ourselves. And Zerubbabel, this man, is discouraged. There was progress with the wall, but nothing else. 
And the people just said, ah, it doesn't matter. And they learned how to live with the weeds and the brokenness. And they just accommodated themselves. They didn't really care about the temple, the place of worship anymore. They began to care more about themselves. And Zerubbabel is God's man to help, but now he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with the task at hand. It was more than he could handle when he was dispatched. And now that he's been there for years, it's more than he can handle now. You'll see in verse 7, he's actually described as a mountain. It's like it's overwhelming. So with that in mind, let's read in beginning in verse 1 of Zechariah 4. It says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and awakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. Let's just pause there for a second because I don't think that's there by mistake. This particular vision that God gave to Zechariah because that's how God spoke to Zechariah as a prophet, a spokesperson for God, that he's going to now bring this message. So this particular vision came as he felt like he was being wakened out of sleep. And I think it's important that you realize that God is calling the church to wake up, to wake up out of our sleep. But not wake up. Some of you are like, yes, amen, let's wake up. But not necessarily the way that you think. So all of a sudden now we got to wake up and fight some kind of fight. God's not calling you to do that. He's calling you to wake up to repentance, to examine your life, to ask the Lord to do the deep work in you and then respond to it. He's not asking you to fight battles in this world with the solutions that the world offers. Well, if you know we just do this, and the world says, well, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And you go, well, we can do it better. No, you can't do anything. You need to let the Lord do the work in you. Surrender to him, church. You got to wake up. And I dare say, some of you, that hit really close to home. And you're like, oh, you know, I don't need to wake up. No, actually, that kind of response you probably do. God is waking you up out of sleep. Or you can keep doing the same thing your whole life. Keep coming in and out of this church. Come in the door, sit down, sing, maybe not sing, come late, skip the music, come for the music, skip the message, whatever you do. I mean, we have even people drop their kids off and go shopping. I guess that's the way it is these days. So you keep doing that, keep doing that, and then, then you wonder why you're so disillusioned. You have no connection with God. It's just religion for you. And it's like, well, you know what? This is the last time we're coming to this church. Well, then go do it somewhere else. Like, what do you think is going to change? What do you think is going to change if it's this church or that church where you're just in that place where you're not in a position of worship? Everything has to be your way. Everything has to go the way you want it. And really, all the while, you're resisting the work that God wants to do by his power and his strength. And as you mentioned, as we mentioned in previous studies, what the response is, surrender and obedience. Surrender and obedience. You can even read your Bible religiously. You can even say, you know, repetitious prayers religiously. But are they truly out of relationship because you want to be in relationship with God and love others in our community? I mean, you can think of how many times this world has made you go against people for a reason. You have a reason. You know, they're this category of people, and they're this the category of people, and I don't like those people, and I don't like those people. And how convenient it is for us to create categories where we can put somebody in, and then now no longer are we see people as our neighbor. Instead, we see people in the category, and now we don't have to love them. 
And what kind of church makes a difference like that? That doesn't care about the social ills of this world. Doesn't care about the spiritual ills of this world. Doesn't care about the brokenness of this world. Doesn't care even about our own next door neighbors. What kind of, how does God use a church like that? And so, yeah, it's time to wake up, church. God wants to use you. There's exciting things ahead. We don't always have to be on our heels and always concern about ourselves. But God has put us in the world to reach the world. Any more want to amen that or just three? I'll take the three. I'll take the three. That's fine. I'll take it. But I'm telling you, God wants to use your life. And if you're like me, and you're being awakened to the reality that more years are behind me than ahead of me, then I just want to run all the more. And I want to depend all the more. Because truly, I think in the heart of hearts of anyone listening to me here or there, in the room, downstairs, online, on a radio station somewhere in the forest of Georgia, God has put in our hearts the desire to be in unity with him and that our lives might make a difference for eternity. I mean, that's just amazing that God would use us in such a way. But it's not going to happen apart from the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen in our own strength. So here they are. And here's the vision, verse 2. He said to me, what do you see? And so I said, I'm looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can write next to that menorah. This is a menorah, what you would commonly see today, but a large one, not a little one for your desk, but a large one. Some of you guys going to Israel with us will show you one when we get to Jerusalem. So he sees this lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand were seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. At one, the right of the bowl, and the other at, it, at its left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked to me answered and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And so he answered and said to me, This is the word to Zerubbabel. From the picture, from the vision, this is the word. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, verse 8, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So Zechariah has a series of visions, but this particular vision is a vision of God's power to complete, his power to finish. And we're reminded today that God, what he has started in your life, he is faithful to complete it. He will not, he, as Pastor Chuck Smith has taught us, he will not bring you this far just to abandon you. He didn't bring you this far to say, okay, this is as far as it goes. He is going to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Consider these truths, Psalm 57 verse 2. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Isaiah 26, 12. Lord, you'll establish peace for us, for you also have done all our works in us. Philippians 1, verse 6. This is the one we're most familiar with being confident of this very thing, 
He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Zerubbabel needed that word too. Because it's been 16 years and there isn't any progress. 16 years is a long time, isn't it? It'd be a long time to wait for something just to start up again. To wait for something to see a next stone. Because he's already laid the cornerstone. He's already started. But now God says, I'm going to, in verse 8, you're going you're to have the capstone. The capstone's coming. You're going to finish. You're going to complete it. But it's a hard thing to wait. And so Zechariah was given this vision of the menorah. You know, there was a menorah lampstand in the tabernacle, which was the temporary place of worship in the Old Testament with Moses. There were also uh, 10 lampstands of gold within the temple, again, bringing light on either side of the altar of incense. And, and it was a lampstand that had these, these pillars coming out of them with lights on top, and the priest would come in, the responsibility would pour the oil, and when the oil came out, they'd pour the more. The oil was anointed specifically for this so that the lampstand would stay burning bright. But that's not this vision. You notice this vision there are no priests involved in lighting of, the tent, of this lampstand. There are two trees that have pipes, if you will, branches coming into the bowl so that from there, there will be a continual supply of oil that has nothing to do with man. That God is going to provide this. There's no need for the priests, no need for their help, because God is going to give this constant, reliable supply of oil. And this would have been encouraging to Zerubbabel. And as it's translated to him in something he could receive, he's not just, he's, it's not just about the lampstand and the oil, but for Zerubbabel, listen, you don't need to worry about how this is going to be taking place, how it's going to, how, how the temple is going to re, be rebuilt. It's almost like all the 16 years that you've been concerned, you don't need to worry about it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Zerubbabel. And it's not going to be by might. You know, whether that be military might or hundreds of guys are going to come and build it. That is not the way the temple is going to be built, although I'll use the hands of men. Neither will it be by power, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be your own intellect and your own power and your own plan. And you need to figure this out. It's going to be by my spirit. That's the key. God's continual supply of resources and strength. And you Bible students, you know that oil is often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So this would speak directly to Zerubbabel. He knew this. Oil was very important. A picture and a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So a constant supply is an encouragement that the work will be done by God in his strength. Oil was important in the anointing for power and service. Oil was important to bring about a reminder, a reminder that when God anoints what he starts He's faithful to complete. If you're a note taker, there's some other things we learn about oil that will help us in our present day understanding. Number one, oil, like the spirit, lubricates. Oil is a lubricant. And lubricants remove and minimize friction. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out over a group of people, there is a sweetness of peace between them. There's a lot of friction in this room right now. You realize that. You may not feel it, but there's a lot of friction in this room. In a group this size, and wherever you might be, whenever you get people together, there will be friction. You want to know why? There are a lot of opinions in this room. A lot of different opinions. That if we gave opportunity to share them all, there might even be some fistfights in here. 
People get upset. You go, oh, fist fights. Have you seen Facebook lately? That is the fist fight of today. You go, well, you know, everybody wants to know my opinion. Nobody wants to know your opinion. <laughs> Except you're like, well, you know, I just had this big fight on Facebook, and I won, Pastor. I got my point across, and I won. You won nothing. Nobody got saved. You got blocked by 10 people, and now you're all prideful. Is that what you won? Like, if there's anything Christians are good at, is arguing about things that don't matter. Secondary things. Things that will not be taken from here into eternity. They're just wasting our time on earth. We just get caught up in things. Because let me tell you something. It's so much easier to get caught up in something where you get to make the rules than to submit yourself to God where he makes the rules. And you might have just forgotten that when you were born again, you signed over, if you will, the rights to your life. All of it. And so there is friction. There's always friction. There's friction in churches, friction in family, friction. That's why the solution to the friction you're feeling is to submit to the Holy Spirit. Not to take things into your own hands. We don't fight with human weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human. You're not going to win it with some big argument. You're not going to prove your point. It's just better to get on your knees in the closet and start praying. And ask the Holy Spirit to smooth this out because you haven't been able to thus far. Oil, not just, like, uh, not, not just like the Spirit lubricates, but secondly, oil like the Spirit cleanses and heals. Jesus taught us this. Remember when he gave us the parable of the man that was on his way to Jericho? He got really beat up. And who showed up to help? A Samaritan. We often refer to him as a good Samaritan. And he came to help, and what did he do? He took oil and wine and poured it over the wounds of this man. Before he got him in to somewhere he could help them, he took oil and wine. Because oil brings healing. It helps to move the process of healing of wounds. And I think that is significant where we learn that the Holy Spirit can really help, help heal all of the wounds that we carry. Well, of course, not physically, but spiritually and emotionally and mentally. God wants to give you a sound mind. He's given it to you by faith. He wants to help some of the friction that you have with your daughter, with your son, with your in-laws, with the difficulties of the prodigals and the, maybe a previous divorce and the ex. And like God, the spirit, you got to get out of the way and let the spirit of God bring healing and cleansing in that situation. And then thirdly, oil like the spirit warms and fuels. Zerubbabel would have this in mind. He would understand the picture. Zechariah would understand. You know, oil was a chief commodity in Israel. It's what they used to cook with. It's what they used to light their homes with. It's what they used to bring warmth into their home. It was very important. No oil, no food, no warmth, no light. And haven't you found that to be true in your own life? No Holy Spirit. You're not understanding the scriptures. You're not feasting on the word. There's no light in the situation. You feel like you're in the dark. There's no warmth. You feel cold and isolated where the Holy Spirit is ready to minister to you. The Spirit of God warms our hearts by illuminating the scriptures to help us know the truth. Pastor Ed Taylor on the Spirit's work in our lives. What you heard today is part one of a message titled, Move Forward in the Strength of His Spirit. We'll have the rest of it for you next time on Abounding Grace. 
You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you might happen to be. Abounding Grace is also available by podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple. You know, it's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call us at 877-30-GRACE. And as the cost of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. More about moving forward in the strength of God's Spirit on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Have a great weekend. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.